thanks for checking out this message from Springmount Church. For more information about us and what we do, visit our website, springmount.church. Why not check out all the different groups that run throughout each week in Barrow and on Walney? And join us every Sunday from 11am at Salt House Pavilion in Barrow Infernos. If you would like us as a church to pray for you, please email prayer at springmount.church or sign up on our website for monthly news straight to your inbox. It's really, really good to see you all. You might be thinking that it's warm today. Is anyone thinking that? I want to give you a little bit of a news flash. It has been warm before, and it's been warm, you know, even more than over the last couple of years. I, I remember when I was uh, young, uh, me and my friends, Con and Gav and, and, and those, used to go and play at Piggy Lane for hours on end over what seemed to be endless summers. It did happen. It's not a recent phenomenon. I hope you know what I'm saying. Okay, thank you, thank you. Anyway, right. This is all very shonky. But anyway, it's great to be with you all. I um, I usually like to talk about the little bit of a journey that I've been on to be standing in front of you here today. And I, um, I was given the verses that we're going to look at in Psalm 9 by, uh, by Johnny, who I haven't seen for months. Yeah. Is he still around, Johnny? Is that right? Yeah. Every time I'm here, he's not. So... Um, I'm trying not to take it personally. And, and you'll see in a moment, I, I read the scripture and I like to kind of breathe it and try and see what it is that the Lord is saying to me so that I can kind of share my heart with you. And I thought, really, Lord? Yeah, good one, Johnny. Thanks for giving me this and not being around today to support me in this. And you'll understand as we get to it because... It's not an easy subject to talk about, and it's not something we hear about much in church. And you probably understand why shortly, but we're going to come to it. Has anyone read Psalm 9 in preparation for today? So there's now such a sense of anticipation amongst you. I can just, someone's thinking, I'm going to have a quick look because I don't want to be surprised. What's he going to talk about? But we'll find out. We'll find out. So, it's the But God series, isn't it? Is that right? Is that what we're on? And, and the, the theme is built around the fact that what follows after But God is where things start to happen. That when we allow God, when we yield to God, something shifts, something moves. And that is the promise to those that believe in Jesus is that whatever is going on in our lives and whatever it is that we're facing, and it may not be something that anyone else is even aware of. It may be that thing that keeps you up at night, that challenges you every day. It may be obvious for everyone, it may not be. But the promise is from the scripture that is that if we invite God into that place, we will have a but God moment where something shifts, something moves. And every second of the day, we have that opportunity to invite God into the equation. And it's a great promise. 
It is a great promise. So let's start reading from Psalm 9. Um, and we'll start on verse 7. So I'll read this out and then I'll stop a little bit through the passage to just open something out and then we'll carry on plowing on. So Psalm 9 and verse 7. The Lord reigns forever. He has established his throne for judgment. Who He rules the world in righteousness and judges the peoples with equity. The Lord is a refuge for the oppressed, a stronghold in times of trouble. In verse 10, those who know your name trust in you. For you, Lord, have never forsaken those who seek you. That could almost be the gospel in a nutshell. Yeah, are we seeing that? Yeah, those who know your name, your character, who you are, how much you love us, how gracious and merciful you are. Those who know you, not, not this theoretical, not a cultural Christianity, not because we're brought up in a country where we have the Church of England knowing you, but knowing personally, those that know you, that trust in you. So it's not good enough just to know. There's another step, isn't there? Oh yeah, I, I believe that there's a God, that's fine, yeah? But do you trust in him? So those that know your name, trust in you, who seek you. And that is a daily thing. And we overcomplicate that. Those that seek you. I remember when, um, so I went to Alfred Barrow School. Is that even a thing anymore now? No? No? For those of you who don't know, ask your parents, okay? So I went to Alfred Barrow School and we didn't, we were so deprived, we didn't have our own sports field. Yeah, I know, you're feeling it, aren't you? How did he ever get through school? And so what we would do when it was PE, we would get into one or two double-decker buses and they'd ship us over to Walney Island and we'd go to the, the fields over there, which were just an absolute anyway. I mean, they barely counted for sports fields. And how we didn't have more broken ankles and dislocations, I never know. But when it was a certain time of the year, when it was athletics time, it was really special because they took us over to Park Vale. Does anyone remember Park Is that still a thing? Kind of. <laughs> I imagine it's probably needing a lick of paint now. Is that right? Anyway, so Park Vale sports track. There is a reason for this story. And I remember um, hearing about this mythical... Um, way that you could get across the channel back to Heimpool when it was low tide. Does anyone know what I'm talking about here? Right, okay. So I didn't take anything into account in terms of time of year, whether there'd be a high tide or anything. But I said to my teacher, it's all right, I'm fine. I don't need the bus back. I will make my own way home, secretly plotting that I was going to go on that little path that takes you across the channel and get home and everything would be wonderful. Uh, can you tell how it might have ended? So I got there and it wasn't necessarily as low as the tide could go, but I was committed. <laughs> or should have been. And then, um, so then I started to kind of make my way through, slipped, mud up to my knees. But by then I've, I've gone too far. I'm going to see this through. <laughs> and there was one point seriously where the mud was up to here and I was plowing through in my school uniform thinking, mum's going to kill me when I get home. 
what on earth? And then eventually, you know, one shoe gets stuck in and you have to plow him for that. It was an absolute nightmare. I remember getting home and where we used to live in Raleigh Street, if you did it properly, you could get upstairs without anyone even knowing that you'd been in the house, yeah? So I ran upstairs and there I was rinsing all my clothes off. Everything's fine, nothing to see here. And this is the first time my mum's heard this story. (laughs) (laughs) A life of faith is simple. It's about trusting in Jesus seeking him and following him. There are challenges to that, but we do overcomplicate things. We really do. Jesus says, only believe, yeah? The thief on the cross that was alongside Jesus says, remember me. And Jesus said, right, I will. And today you're going to be in heaven with me. There was a simplicity to that and we overcomplicate it. Jesus says, only believe. Only get on the bus, yeah? Keep it simple. Those who know your name, trust in you. Oh Lord, you have not forsaken those who seek you. There's no other way that we can be saved but through Jesus. We need to get on that bus if we haven't already. The passage goes on. Verse 11, sing the praises of the Lord enthroned in Zion. Proclaim among the nations what he has done. For he who avenges blood remembers. He does not ignore the cries of the afflicted. Lord, see how my enemies persecute me. Have mercy and lift me up from the gates of death that I may declare your praises in the gates of daughter Zion. And there rejoice in your salvation. The nations have fallen into the pit that they have dug. Their feet are caught in the net they have hidden. The Lord is known by his acts of justice. The wicked are ensnared by the works of their hands. And these two next verses are the focus of today. The wicked go down to the realm of the dead. All the nations that forget God. But God will never forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. Arise, Lord, do not let mortals triumph. Let the nations be judged in your presence. Strike them with terror, Lord. Let the nations know they are only mortal. Right, okay. Where do we go with that? Where do we go with that? So, verse 17, the wicked go down to the realm of the dead. All the nations that forget God. Now, when it talks about the realm of the dead, it's also talking about hell or Sheol. So the wicked go down to the realm of the dead, to the hell, to Sheol. And we don't often hear this subject talked about at church, do we? Really? It's there. If you love Jesus, there's an awareness of that subject there. But we don't often hear it talked about from the pulpit. I can't speak for Johnny. I'm talking broadly here. I remember um, as I was coming through the process of coming to faith, um, when my friend Jamie Nellis invited me to go and hear Billy Graham speak at the Coronation Hall in Ulverston many, many years ago, Billy Graham did his hellfire and damnation. It was, it was you, you were left in no doubt Okay, you are left in no doubt as to the implications 
of a life outside of faith in Jesus. And um, it reminded me of, of when we used to have science class at school. And do you remember when they used to have like the, the collective Bunsen burner in the middle of the class, yeah, with like six taps coming off? Do you remember those? Yeah. I mean, absolute recipe for disaster, to be honest with you. All it took was one of the, the grown-up boys who had his own lighter for other purposes to have an absolute field day. And I remember one day, um, one of the boys, we had goggles on because it was just absolutely perfectly safe now. And he lit it and a flame came to me and hit the goggles and then there was all kinds of Ferrari. But then I remember the teacher calling me out to the front of the class um, sorry, Mum. And, um, and I remember taking the goggles off, and it's slightly sticking here. And one of these eyebrows had been singed. Probably never absolutely recovered, to be honest with you. Can you tell? Can you tell? And when I heard Billy Graham do his hellfire and damnation, there was a sense of, like, the heat and the consequence of hell... And I remember kind of feeling emotionally singed from that experience, thinking, if this is really real, then I need to do something in response to this. Because everything that I've heard today from this guy is that I have a choice. And I can either kind of just put my hands over my eyes, over my ears, life is full, I've got plenty on my plate, I'll try not to think about it, la la la, nothing to worry about here and get on. Or I can take a moment that has eternal consequences and think, where am I headed? Where will I spend eternity? because we will all spend eternity somewhere. That's my absolute conviction. Does anyone agree with that? Yeah. yeah. We all have a destiny and a destination. And today, you have a choice as to where that might be. So the first part of the passages that I've been given are talking about the reality of hell. So for the next few minutes, let's just talk about that. And I'm doing that prayerfully, okay? Believe me, prayerfully. So what does the Bible say about it? This is an important one. God doesn't set his eternal agenda based on what we would prefer or what we might hope to be true or about what does or doesn't make us feel comfortable. He doesn't base eternity on what we might find acceptable or easy to hear. The fact that we may be uncomfortable with the thought of eternal conscious punishment, because that's what hell is, doesn't make it any less real. Just because we don't want to confront it and think about it or talk about it, doesn't make it any less real. The fact that we may think that if God is loving, why would there be a hell 
doesn't make it any less real. God does not base hell and the reality of that on our preferences or our sense of justice. He operates on a whole different level of what is right and just. And he is the righteous judge. His judgments are right and they will be right. There won't be any fault. There won't be any mistake. And we will, each one of us, face that day where we will face that judgment. And it won't be based on anyone else. It won't be based on the person to the side of you or the person in front of you. It will be based on you and your choices and what you've decided to do in your own life. Does that make sense? In that moment, you will live and breathe and find yourself before an audience of one. And his name is Jesus. So some common thoughts about hell. Let's just talk about those. So hell doesn't really exist, a common thought. Why do I even need to worry about it? It doesn't exist. Well, Jesus talks about it being a literal place. Hell is a real place, just not the kind the most of us would imagine. It's not a city you can drive into or out from. And if you wanted to, you could dive into the Bible and it would give you more detail of what that's like. But the realm of the dead, which is what it's referred to in this passage, is for those that defy the Lord. It's neither a silent place nor a place of unconscious existence. It's a place of painful memory and of conscious suffering. This is all in the scripture. Jesus told a story about a rich man who died and went to Hades, the New Testament designation of the place appointed for unbelievers. The rich man was fully conscious. He was suffering in anguish. He was separated from paradise. And he had memory, remorseful memory, of his life on earth. In hell, the wicked cannot look forward to a second chance. Their eternal fate is sealed and they must suffer forever apart from God. And when Jesus judges the nations at his second coming, he consigns them to eternal punishment. Who he is thinking, that's harsh. <laughs> that seems harsh, yeah? We'll come to that, hopefully. We'll come to that. Another thought about hell. Satan rules hell and God rules heaven. God controls both heaven and hell. Satan does not run hell, but he will be imprisoned there when God makes the final call for those who obey Jesus versus those who oppose him. Jesus is the highest authority over all things and all places. Matthew 24, verses, verse 41, then it says, Then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil 
and his angels. This is a kind of sermon which doesn't get you invited back, isn't it, so far? Don't worry, we're going to get there, but I want to do the subject justice because we don't talk about it enough, okay? Hell is only for really bad people. I'm not bad. I do good things. I love my family. I put money in the offering today. I'm a good person. I mean, sure, I've got my stuff about me, but if we're to weigh it up, I think that if we're really honest, yeah, I think my good outweighs my bad. Therefore, if there is going to be a day of judgment, I'm going to be all right because, you know, ultimately, I'm, I'm good. Most people like me. Yeah, that's not how it's going to work. One sin is enough to deserve hell. Sin is so bad because it's destructive to us and other people. And God takes sin very seriously because he doesn't want us to be harmed and sin also separates us from him. And the scripture tells us that everyone has sinned. There's no one here that has not sinned. There's no one here that's lived a perfect life in this place, physically sitting here today. But it's because of God's grace that Jesus offers salvation from all sins and a way to live with him forever in heaven. What matters is not how evil our deeds are, but how we respond to Jesus' offer of forgiveness, which is here right now. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Another thought, God would never let a good person go to hell. Since everyone has sinned, there are no inherently good people, just forgiven people changed by Jesus. There's two kinds of people. Those that haven't been forgiven because they haven't accepted the gift of forgiveness and those that have, that have been liberated and hopefully live life with a sense of joy because of what's been done for them. John 6.40 says, For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. And then 2 Peter 3 says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish. Let's hear that. He doesn't want anyone to perish. He doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance and into a relationship with him. So that starts to give us a little bit of a picture, yeah? That there is a consequence to our life. There is, there is a place where we will all go. And I remember when I first came to faith, 1997, 
And um, has anyone heard of Keith Green? Keith Green, right? So Christian musician, Keith Green. Um, I, I was listening to a lot of Keith Green around the time, and he's pretty fiery, isn't he? And I remember kind of arriving home after it had happened while I was at university in Preston, and I was kind of just trying to share with my mum particularly about what had happened to me and this amazing experience that I'd had and how things had changed. And I think it freaked the whole family out, to be honest with you, those of them that were aware of it. Um, and I've been thinking about this a lot this week, and I was thinking, why, why did I do that? Why did I just go full bore, think that I would just better go in, break the door down, everyone would come to know Jesus, and we'd all be able to kind of come by yard together, yeah? Because it wasn't really the response. I think I upset a lot of people. And as I've reflected on it, I think this was what my heart was. And it was a phrase that Keith Green uses in one of his songs. Because this reality, this is reality, and it had come to me in a very clear way that there was a consequence to the direction that I was going, and without Jesus, I would continue that way. My heart when I got home was this, and it's from a Keith Green song, and he says, I just really want to see you there. I really want you to, to see you. He says, I can't wait until I get to heaven where he'll wipe away all my tears. Yeah? And my heart was, I've got to tell you about this because I don't want you to go there. I want you to go there and I want to see you there. And that's my heart to every one of you here today. My heart is that there would be no one in this space that I won't see in heaven. I want to see you there. Because heaven is a place of great rejoicing, of happiness, of celebration, of peace. Where the picture that we have of hell is completely the opposite. And the burden of Jesus towards you this morning is, I've made a way. I want to see you there but it's up to you. And no one else can make that decision for you. And then in verse 18, it says, but God, oh, thank goodness. It's not like, here's hell, enjoy the view, keep me posted. No, it's like, this is the consequence, but I'm not gonna leave you like that. I'm not gonna say, just work it out. But God, I'm going to come in and make it possible for you to go in the other direction because you don't have to. It's unnecessary. But God will not forget the needy. The hope of the afflicted will never perish. The psalmist contrasts the final outcome of the wicked who despise God with the future hope of those who trust God that believe in Jesus our Heavenly Father will never forget those that remember Him. He will never abandon those that trust His Word and honour His name. For those that believe, they are not condemned. If you trust God, He is in your corner. He is in your corner. He's fighting your battles with you and for you. 
In fact, on that great day when we get to sit down between, uh, and look at like the playback of our lives, it might not be quite like this. It might be just in a thought, but let's just imagine it. You have your own home cinema in heaven and you sit down in front of it. You've got one of those seats that recline, cup holder for ash. Um, and you're there, you're kicking back, you're elevating your legs and you get to watch it all played back. I guarantee you will be stunned at how he has been fighting for you. He's fought for you today. He's fought for you last week. He'll fight for you this afternoon. He is the lion of the tribe of Judah and he's not to be messed with and he's fighting your battles. And if you are trusting Jesus, he's doing that for you. You may not see it. You may not perceive it. Sometimes you may not even feel it. But he is at work on our behalf for those that believe in him. Who would not want that? The one that made all things seen and unseen. The one that created you, that breathes life into you, that gives you your next heartbeat is saying, I'm going to fight for you. Just trust me. I'm with you. That burden that's on your heart, I'm going to carry you through. And so on that day, we'll be able to see that in glorious Technicolor or 4K or whatever it'll be is... What's the best image that you can get now? Sorry? 8K? I'm still at 4K, right? Wow. It'll be in 88K. Yeah, it'll be so clear. And we'll have seen him fighting on our behalf. We live in a fallen world and it doesn't take Einstein to see that the craziness that we see around us. And those that trust Jesus will have challenges and fights and tribulations. But the psalmist, as we've read, offers hope for all who trust in the Lord, even though there may be seasons of lack or times where we feel forgotten or afflicted, God is with us and he's fighting our battles. We're nearly there. Scripture gives Jesus many names, yeah? In fact, there's over 50. Why would that be? Does anyone want to volunteer why he has so many names? Why does one not do, yeah? He has many names. Why would that be? Can someone give me a big, loud clarification? Sorry? Because he is. Come out here and speak. <laughs> because he is so many things. His different names are not just like me. I'm Ramin. Christopher, who saw that come in? And so, so they're, they're just names that I'm given. But the names that Jesus had define, has define his character. Okay? And, and he can be all things to us based on those different characteristics he has. Is that right? Yeah. He can be all things to us. And there's actually a lot of power when you pray to pray that aspect of his name into whatever you're praying about. What's Jehovah Jireh? Provider. So if you have need, call on Jehovah Jireh. Call on him in that aspect into your life. So we have Savior, Redeemer, Bread of Life, Lord, Creator, Son of the Living God. I'm not going to do all 50, okay? But there's two that I just want to mention briefly. The lion of the tribe of Judah and the lamb. Has anyone climbed the lion and the lamb near Grasmere? <laughs> it's called Helm Crag, and they call it that if you don't know already, a little bit of Lake District knowledge, is that if you're driving 
past Grasmere, and it's there on your left, and you're going up towards um, Keswick. If you look at it, it looks a little bit like a lion with a lamb sitting next to it. Uh, so, anyway, enough of that. So we have the lion, we have the lamb. In John 1.29, it says, The next day, John see, sees Jesus coming unto him and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, which takes away the sin of the world. We're nearly there, everyone. That's sacrificial. That's what Jesus did on the cross for you and I, to take away our sins. So that has been done. The thing that's missing for some of us is that we haven't given our sin to him. Or we haven't even acknowledged that we have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and need to do something with that because we can't take care of it ourselves. And then we have the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so that passage of scripture that we looked at in verse 17, ultimately it's talking about what the lion of the tribe of Judah is ultimately going to do. Because in Revelation 5, it says, And one of the elders says unto me, Weep not, behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the book and loose the seven seals. That's end times. That's talking about when things are about to be wrapped up and judgment will come upon the whole world. But that lion is fighting on our behalf, with us and for us if we trust Jesus. Which one are you going to meet? That lion that is going to be releasing judgment into the world and into people? Or the lamb that gave up his life, that shed his blood? Because that was the only way for you and I to be forgiven for our sins. And he is the only way. Final thought. And I've said it a few times already, but we will spend eternity somewhere. And let's just imagine that this is illustrating eternity to you, okay? You may have seen this kind of illustration before. Forgive me. So this is your life, okay? In fact, this is your life. Does anyone remember that program? <laughs> yeah. But we, we will have that moment. This is your life, yeah? And so that, that's when you were born, right there. And if I look closely enough, I can just see you as you're coming out of secondary school, and then you met that girl, it didn't work out, yeah? Then you went and worked at Vickers, as was, yeah? You remember that holiday there when you were 24? You're lucky you got back, <laughs> yeah? And then, you know, you're moving on, and this, this is it. And then you, you get into 55 and 60, and grandkids come into the picture, and, and there will be an, a point where it will come to an end. This, this is it. This is what, what we have. But that's not the end. In fact, it continues on and on. Help me out here. And it keeps going. And this is 
this is kind of what's happening. It's, it's going on and on. It's not a small thing. In fact, just that short time that you're on earth, three score and ten, 70 years on average, it's, it stretches on and on into eternity. And I couldn't find an eternity rope, I'm sorry. But it's enough to <laughs> illustrate the fact that our lives will go on and on. And what you do today, I think that will do, what you do today will will echo through eternity. What you do today in this place, thank you, is going to echo through eternity. God has given you this time. Not one of us knows how long that is. You might get your letter from the king, but you might be taken early. But this is what we've been given but it echoes throughout all of this. And the choice that you make today, your future eternal self will thank you. And we all have that choice. Does that make sense? Good work. I'll close with this. Tim Keller, bless him, said this. The gospel, the good news is this. We, all of us, are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet, at the very same time, you are more loved and accepted in Jesus Christ than you ever dared dreamed. Shall I say that again? I want you to hear this. The gospel is this. We are more sinful and flawed in ourselves than we ever dared believe. Yet at the very same time, we are more loved and more accepted in Jesus Christ than we ever dared hope. And that is the promise of the gospel. That is the promise that is supernaturally here for you and I to take hold of. You don't have to pass a test or an exam. There's no quiz. The only qualifying criteria is that you believe and trust Jesus with your life. All that you have to do is believe. And that is there waiting for you today. As it says in Joshua, choose you this day. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. So this is what we'll end with, and this is it. Now, if you can close your eyes, that'd be great. Try not to think about the person next to you. Try to think about that moment where 
you're in that audience of one before Jesus, okay? It's just you. Some people, Jesus will say, well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my joy. The pearly gates are open and you go into that place and there'll be much rejoicing. Some, Jesus will say, depart from me, I never knew you. And we've talked about where that destination is. If you've never given your life, if you've never taken that step and said, okay, Jesus, I want to trust you with my life. Jesus is asking you to take that step of faith to trust him so that he can begin that work of salvation in you. And do that work of restoration in your heart and in your mind. So as our eyes are closed, if anyone is feeling that sense of, yeah, I want to take that step, no matter how falteringly or awkwardly, there's something that's spoken to my heart today that I need to respond to. Jesus says, only believe. And so if you're one of those people, just raise your hand. That's all that we would ask you to do. <clears throat> to trust Jesus. And we'll just take a few moments. Be brave. He's calling you by name. Hallelujah. Salvation has come to the house of the Lord.